0: Who's ready for the word today? I am, was very excited to preach this message along with Pastor Kason this morning. The truth is, is God is moving and he's moving quickly. Do you agree with that? There's so many things to anticipate right now. We're not just a church who's going to hide out and crumb, but God's exposing us so that he can be exposed. Yeah. The truth and the reality is that if we're exposed, the hope is that they would see Christ through us. Are you ready to do all of his works? Yes. yes. Praise God. His miraculous deliverance is happening here in our midst right now. Yeah. Last week, Pastor Michael preached a message called, Burn all the ships, cast out all the demons. Who was blessed by that?
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: People don't realize it, but we need deliverance more than we think we need it. Yeah. Yes. There were so many bits of demonic oppression still left in my life. But guess what? It's not there anymore. Amen. Because by the power of His Holy Spirit, it has to flee in the name of Jesus. Amen. Today, church, we're expecting the same exact result. That today, God is going to continue to show us areas in which our, within our lives that He's going to continually refine. Come on, who's up for some refinement this morning? Yes. i tell you what. Even this morning as we were worshiping, God was beginning to refine my heart. If I just slow down for a minute, he's good enough to show me areas in which he wants to help me. There's no better thing than Jesus Christ himself coming up to you and saying, Son, let me help you along the way. Church, I want to let you know that this message today is meant to help us. It's meant to encourage us. It is meant to propel us toward all of his good works. Today, we have a challenging message for you, but it will lead to life. Amen? Amen? Yes. Today's message is titled, Don't Be Afraid to Get Wrecked. <laughs> Don't be afraid to get wrecked. Come on, who's ever been wrecked before in the spirit?
1: <laughs>
0: yes. There's been many times, wherever I get into the Lord's presence and he just wrecks me. For some of you, this is common language because we use this word all the time uh, around, in particular, spirit filled Christians. But for the people that don't know what we mean by wrecked, you will by the end of today's message. My encouragement to you this morning, church, is that we're supposed to be wrecked. Because when we're wrecked, the good Father puts all our pieces back together and we start moving in the direction He's intended for us. Who wants to get wrecked today? We have some scriptures from you, from out of the law, the prophets, the writings, the gospels, the epistles, and revelation. Can we share it with you? Deuteronomy 12, 2 through 5. Destroy completely all the places on the high mountains and on the hills. And underneath every spreading tree where the nations you are dispossessing, worship their gods. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stone, and burn their Asherah poles in the fire. Cut down the idols of their gods and wipe out their names from those places. Yeah. You must not worship them the uh, the way. You must not worship the Lord your God in their way. But you are to seek the place that the Lord your God will choose from among all the tribes to put His name there for His dwelling. To that place you must go. Wow. First Kings nineteen verse twenty one. So Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and become his attendant. Come on, we see a disciple who's being called out. You're no longer meant to stay here. And the spiritual father says, burn your equipment. Go say goodbye to your family and walk towards all that I have for you. In Deuteronomy 12, we see wreck every God that is not Yahweh in in all their high places and all the idols and wreck it. For I'm giving you something better. Do not worship me the way that they worship them. You see a reckoning happening here. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your hearts, amen? Amen. And lean not on your own understanding. Come on, how many times have we leaned on our own understanding? It's a good worship song to sing, but when you actually mean the words, your life begins to change. The day that we stop leaning on our understanding is the way that He begins to lead our understanding. In all your ways, say all. all. Acknowledge Him. And He will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. This is a key point. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your bodies and nourishment to your bones. Come on, who needs health? Who needs the energy to keep moving forward? Lean not on your own understanding, but trust Him.
1: You guys ready for the Gospels now? Matthew chapter 16 verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? And forfeits his soul. Wow. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Why would Jesus be looking halfway through our record of the, of the book of Matthew, the Gospels according to, the, according to Matthew, and say, what, what would a man exchange his soul for? Because there was still, even with the great witness of him standing right there in front of these people, there were still things that people were like, Yep, but I'm willing to drag my feet for that. Wow. I'm willing to not run with you, Jesus, because of this. Or because of them. Or because of this reason that I have. Or or this thing that I treasure too much. Or whatever. He says, for what would a man trade in exchange for his soul? Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 11, he says, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. Come on and may be found in him. Y'all gotta make sure you're catching that this morning. There is a big, big difference that most of the quote unquote Christian world today does not understand. To know Christ and to be found in him are not the same thing. Paul said those things separately. You can know of him, you can know about him, you can know some of the things that he said, but to be found in him, entirely different experience. It says, it may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. You could say faithfulness. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Just last week we were talking about demonic powers impure spirits evil and wicked things coming against you and your family and your lives i don't know about you guys but i saw many people in here set free from not the ownership but the influence the power the authority the whispers the shouting of demonic things in their lives we're not talking about whether or not jesus or a devil owned your house last week can we agree on that? Yeah. That's not what we were talking about last week. We're saying there are squatters on your property. Amen. <laughs> the ones that you kind of want to go, but you hadn't done, you hadn't called the police to come and help you yet. That's what last week was. If anybody knows what's been going on with our property, <laughs> that's all too relevant. That was perfect. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not creative-minded. He has to drop that stuff on me. That's just nothing for him. <laughs> so that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Does this sound like if you pay everything that it's worth everything? Yeah. A, a cheap gospel... A cheap life in Jesus continues to not be worth much to you the rest of your life. And that's something we want you to take hold of today. And Revelation chapter 3 verse 17 says, Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich. Whoa, he wants you to have an abundance. He just wants you to have your abundance from him. And white garments so that you can clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see those whom I love. Did that sound like a harsh start there in Revelation chapter 3? It's not. Your love languages have to change a little bit. Because when someone really intensely loves you, and you are not walking in the fullness that Yahweh has for you, you best bet they're going to come get you. Because I love way too many of you in this room to sit here and watch you continue to either shipwreck your own life and then get back on another ship and keep doing it or just simply not live in the fullness of what God has for you it's the argument from last week well are we talking about possessed or oppressed who cares are we talking about someone who's trashing their life over there are we talking about someone who's just not quite walking in the fullness of what Jesus has who cares none of it's the fullness uh, That's what we want. That's what we want for you. Can you see where we're going? Full in spectrum demonic to today. We're talking about full end of the spectrum, into the plans of Yahweh Himself. Jesus says finally in Revelation chapter 3, those whom I love, I reprove in discipline. Therefore be zealous and repent, before I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door. I will come in to him and will dine with him, and he with me. Our entire message today, that was just us setting a table for you. Just like what Jesus, how Jesus wants to just come and sit and dine with you. That's what we're going to do with you today. We were literally just setting the table there for you with those six passages this morning. Our entire message today is going to be based out of Acts chapter 27. So if you can open your Bibles there. I'm going to give you a little context before we dive deep into every single verse of Acts chapter 27 today. Now we're going to really need you guys to pay attention today because just as we were praying and interceding before half or so of you got here, we were discussing and getting before the Lord considering This is another church service. This is another meeting. But what if this is the meeting when we actually take a hold of Him enough that the rest of our lives from this day forward changes? That's what we're talking about. Not just another church service. Not just another sermon. If you just want to get something, some treasures from what one of us were studying in our own time, I will personally just stop giving them. That's not why I don't I do not preach so that you can think highly of me. We share with you the things that God shows us in our private places when we meet with him, because we want the same breakthrough in your lives that he's giving us in our lives. All right. So we're going to have an awesome day today. We're not mad with anybody, I promise. But it is going to be a great day of movement because he does love us and he loves every one of you and he wants us to walk in the fullness with him. Amen? Are you yeah. all in Acts chapter 27? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know it takes radical men to see radical change, right? Yeah. This is what we're pressing on everybody in this room this morning. Our measure of how radical we love the Lord is how radical the experience of his kingdom will be in your life. Today we are going to focus into the story of Paul's imprisonment and his journey toward Rome. Within Acts 27, there are some key points that we believe the Lord would have remnant church focus into this morning. Here are some representations that we must pay attention to this morning out of Acts 27. We're going to list some representations for you. First representation. Paul's imprisonment. This is the voice of godly authority chained. Paul's imprisonment, the voice of godly authority chained. The other prisoners on the boat, those <laughs> who by poor choices have found themselves stuck in a way of life at the mercy of what captivates them. Imprisonment, in general, what does imprisonment look like? What does it mean? What is, it's, how is it defined here in this passage? the binding that comes from a worldly way of life, general disobedience,
1: or even religiosity. Y'all got those three so far? Number one was Paul imprisoned. Paul imprisoned in Acts chapter 27 represents the voice of godly authority, chained and bound. The other prisoners are those on the ship who got there because bad choices, poor decision making, right? Those who have have themselves stuck in a way of life that's at the mercy of their captors. Imprisonment itself is the binding that comes from a worldly way of life, general disobedience, or even religiosity. Today's story takes place on a prisoner ship. Okay? Okay? The ship itself, the vessel, is the way of life, the religious institution, or the method you find to be the only way to get safely from point A to point B. Now, we have folks in this room from all sorts of backgrounds, and I love it, because we're going to pick on all of them today. If y'all know me at all, I am about as anti-institutionalism as it gets, um it's almost like a Christian anarchy kind of thing. <laughs> Except I've come to learn that the governance that God has set for the church is well what he said, it's ordained. Yeah. He desired that apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers would be equippers to everyone that's equipped in walking out the will of God in the church, right? We've all heard that before. We've preached fivefold ministry in this place before. But whether you are coming from an institutionalism background or whether you're coming from a disgruntled church member background that can't trust people anymore, today your ship might be the way of life, a religious institution, or the method you find to be the only way to get from point A to point B. Let that challenge you today. The wind, this is, this is the fun part, I promise. The wind, the leading of Holy Spirit, the direction, the leading, and moving that comes from Yahweh. Yeah. Not to be confused as an ungodly destructive force. Not to be confused as an ungodly destructive force just because it brings a moment of wrecking. We're not trying to save punchlines for you today. We're giving you, all, we're giving you the whole key right up front, glossary of terms, the whole shebang. You'll be able to allude back to this just fine. We want you to track with us today as we go line by line through this. The last one, though, the last presentation is the land. The land, or in this case, the island of Malta or Malita, is the place, the environment, or the circumstances he has ordained you to land in that the voice of godly authority may be unchained. See, too often... We are, we put ourselves in these stories, right? You're going to listen to Acts chapter 27 today, and you're going to think, man, I'm just like Paul. Somebody's chained me up and put me on a (laughs) a prisoner ship. No, you're not. Probably not. Probably not, Paul. You're probably somewhere in the category of one of the other prisoners on the ship that you're walking through life with some less than desirable things going on because of your poor decision making. Will and I were just talking about that before. He's like, what's more dangerous than the devil? Right? Your mind, your bad decision making, and your emotions, right? These things can get so out of order that all of a sudden, what's worse than something demonic controlling your life? God putting your life back under your decision making, your control, but you're so unstable you can't ever find yourself within the will of God. We're not talking about you being influenced by demons away anymore. We're talking about foolishness now. We're talking about just not living within the will of God. And we can all get challenged on that, right? Yeah. Has anybody ever made a foolish decision in here before? Has anybody ever found out that they were wrong before about something? Well, we were really challenged by this this week, so we hope that you just share in our burdens in this message today. Are you all ready for Acts 27? Start in verse 1.
0: When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius, who belonged to the imperial regiment. We boarded a ship from Adramyttium, about to sail for ports along the coast of the providence of Asia. And we put out, were put out to sea. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. The next day, we landed at Sidon, and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so that they might provide for his needs. From there, we put out to sea again and passed to the Lee of Cyprus because because the winds were against us. When we had sailed across the open sea off the coasts of uh, Cilicia and Pamphylia we landed at Myra and Lysa. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. We made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving. When the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the Lee of Crete, opposite of Salmone. Church, here we see that Paul, God's voice of authority, is chained as a prisoner within a vessel led by authorities whose focus is to transport those bound by man's justice system, religious adherence, and general disobedience. This is the very reason that Paul is on this ship in the first place. What happened? The religious Jews did not like what he was about. Therefore, he is now on chains on a boat headed towards Rome because he wants to speak with Caesar.
1: Can we tell you today that you can be a righteous man of God led by Holy Spirit on the same ship with those who are slaves in the exact same place, I think you're going to start to see today that it has a lot less to do with the boat itself, and it has a lot more to do with what voice is in charge. Keep listening as Pastor Devin takes you through this.
0: Let us not be fooled today that the vessel or transportation used here was the issue. Instead, it was absolutely the authority in which it steered. Think about this. Who was in control of this boat in this very moment? We cannot see the ship as the problem, but instead we have to come to grips that it was the one who governed it. See, within our carnal minds, church, we always tend to blame the circumstances or even the method before pointing to the captain as a source of the problem. Wreck my ship, Lord. Destroy my enemies, Lord. Calm the storm, Lord. But never consider that the one steering the vessel may not actually be guided by the wind's intended direction. When everything in your life feels like a fight, when you even feel like his people may be against you and you find others to be in the way of your plan, you may be needing a reckoning. Captain, do you realize that religion does not live within the walls of buildings, but instead lives in the walls of man's hearts? Yeah. Churches on every corner is a sign of multiplication of what? Our hope is disciples, where for many, it's not that. My point this morning is that you have a 1,000 ships. You can have 1,000 vessels. Yeah. Used for transportation. But what are those ships filled with? Prisoners or freemen? Who are those ships led by? Pastors or pirates looking to pull gold out of people's pockets rather than pulling gold out of sons' hearts? (laughs) Anointed leaders. Who are the captains? Anointed leaders or enslavers? Who live to drag people into their own bondage, making their chains appear as something normal or even accepted to common man. Hired men, mercenaries. Are the captains good fathers or absent fathers who always are looking for the next best voyage to a sail to, longing for significance in their life? Church, I, I'm asking you, who is steering your ship this morning? And who's in it? See, church, I tell you today that whoever captains the ship must be led by the wind. Church, we are not the sh- ship in the story. We are at best, we are at best find ourselves as the imprisoners, those who imprison people, sailing that ship from, sailing that ship from point A to point B, B. With all of its captives and cargoes along with it. Husbands, have you considered that your wife and children are prisoners on your carnally led ship? Paul is held captive by men who do not care about his life. Remember what Paul represents. God-given authority. These men don't care about God-given authority. Led by men who do not wish to hear his direction. And at best, they tolerate him, like we're reading in the the passage, along the journey by appeasing him, by letting him mingle amongst them and his friends. Paul, you're welcome to hang out with your friends. The sign that you desire to be the captain rather than letting the wind lead you is you avoid or ignore God-given leadership at all costs. At all costs, you will avoid it because it is going to ruin your plans. You are going to get shipwrecked. This is what we're going to see. Note this. The method of transportation that is being used thrives under the yielding of the wind and slows down its course when it moves against the wind's direction. We have to be led by the wind. With this in mind, church, let us continue reading in verse 8. Before
1: we even do that, (laughs) think about how your ship getting moved along the surface of the water changes, how your methods change whenever you're going with the wind or you're going against the wind. What comes out whenever you're going into the wind? You drop the sails the thing that catches the inspiration of the wind and drives you along. And then you pull out the oars and you start having to muscle your way through everything that you said God told you to do. And we're not saying that life led by the Holy Spirit is easy. You're going to see today, it oftentimes destroys everything you thought you ever needed in your life. So do not get confused today. We are not telling you that the life led by the Holy Spirit is without effort. We're telling you that some of you are exhausting yourself, muscling your way into the headwind. And we're telling you to stop. We're saying, throw up the sail. Let the wind catch you and steer you along. Pull the oars in, and let's see where God takes you. Amen? Verse 8, We moved along the coast with difficulty. Wow. With difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens near the town of Lacia. Much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous, because by now it was after the fast. So Paul warned them, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the ship and the cargo. That's interesting. The apostolic voice in this moment saying, we don't need to do this. We're going to destroy a whole ship and everything in it and put people's lives at risk. Hold on to that one for a minute. Keep tracking with me. Verse 11, but the centurion... But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete, facing both southwest and northwest. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it. Come on. We gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Kauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. When the men had hoisted it aboard, they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Fearing that they would run aground on the sandbars of Syrtis. they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. That's a chunk to hold on to, huh? Let's go back through this. Verse 8 says that they were moving along the coast with great difficulty. And verse 9 describes that, quote, much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous. When sailing, or being led along by the wind becomes dangerous to your system, and the things that hold you captive, you'll, you may ought to reconsider, as Paul did, the position of the wind. Is the wind the enemy to avoid at all costs? Or is the wind the very force that will cause the wrecking that must happen to see the true exchange and authority on that ship? this is why in many places we were not upset about some of the things that happened during covid we saw exchanges of authority begin to happen in different places we saw sons and daughters go out from commercialized systems where they were rats on a wheel getting put into father's houses we saw people who took a bake from the system and, and then found a little home where people were meeting in a living room. It was times like this, church, that the wrecking that sometimes just looks horrible across the world, God is working in it. We're not saying He wants to just destroy everything. We already said it's not about the ship. He doesn't want to go and break down every church building because it's over this many square feet or keep them all because they're under this many square feet or keep the churches because they have this few people or break them all up because they have this many people. We're talking about the voice of authority, the voice of influence on that ship. But if the voice of authority on that ship will not hand it over to the man of God in the situation, then it has to be destroyed. If that vessel is being run by the wrong voice, God will destroy the vessel so that there can be an exchange. Amen. And verses 10 through 11 shows that the, Paul, that the warning that Paul gives to the leadership of the ship, to the captors who hold him in chains. But here is also where the centurion, instead of listening to Paul, listens to the voice of carnal professionals. Have you ever had someone tell you, You have no idea what you're talking about. I've done this longer than you. You're not in charge here. These guys know what they're doing. Well, these guys were doing this to the one who may not be a sailor. He may not be the guy who owns the ship. But he is the guy who God's speaking to. And let me tell you today, you always want to listen to the guy who God's speaking to. Regardless of how professional anybody is, you want to listen to the guy who God's speaking to. Amen. And hopefully it's you. But oftentimes we need friends. We need friends who hear from God. We need leaders who hear from God. We need parents. We need husbands and wives who hear from God. Because we don't always get it right. Praise the Lord for an amazing wife. Amen. A couple men in here about to find out what it's like. Yeah. Come hallelujah. On. Come on. In verse 13, the issue with being led by anything other than the voice of God, of godly authority, for example, spiritual led, spirit led leaders in your life, spirit led spouses, or spirit led parents, is that you will only take solace. You will only ever feel at peace in shalom whenever the wind dies down. It said that the wind died down and they thought they got what they wanted. The weather outside changed, now I'm joyful. Yeah, the weather outside changed and now I'm sad. <laughs> I, love I love this me, man, I'm just, I'm just messing with him. No, it's like, well, the bank account's low, so just throw out all voice of God in my life and just go for whatever keeps me alive. I'm going straight survival mode. Get out the oars, drop the sail, because clearly God doesn't know what He's doing. Wow. Or, wow, we, we can't find a venue, so we should go figure it out on our own power. We should, we gotta start calculating, see how much money we have in our bank account, see how much the money the church has to get a different venue. Dude, we can even Airbnb our, our extra bedroom in our house. What? We can muscle our way through this whole thing. Or you can throw up the sail. Because whenever the wind dies down, that's actually whenever you're in trouble in your life. You ever watched a movie about sailors stuck at sea and the wind's not blowing? And they can't get anywhere? And they're starving in the open sea? When the wind stops blowing, that's actually when you're in trouble. Have you ever read Mark 4? We're not going to go into it today. But there's a story about disciples following a rabbi named Jesus. And they're on a boat and they're freaked all the way out because of the wind and the waves. They go and wake up this dude from his nap. Okay? They're like, Rabbi, you don't even care what's going on. And he's like, you have little faith. And he told the waves and the winds to quiet down, but not because the wind and the waves were a bother to him. It's because they couldn't handle it. That's why he calmed them down. He was snoozing, doing just fine. I feel like Mr. Pop's back here. He's like that. He's like just enjoying the ride that Jesus has for him. He doesn't care about any troubles going on. I want to grow up to be like him for sure, Amen. He has a big old smile on his face every time. He smiles more than I do, and he's definitely gone through harder things than I have. In In verse 17, it said, When the men had hoisted it aboard, the lifeboat, mentioned at the end of verse 16, they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Oh, uh, you already know where I'm going. Like, see, we're not holding punchlines for you. You know exactly where we're going with this. They brought the lifeboat on board to protect it and then tied ropes around the whole of the ship to hold it together. Mm. Fearing that they would run aground on the bar, sandbars of Syrtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. Wow. That one's got a lot in there for you. Verse 17, oftentimes when we feel that our way of life itself is being threatened, the first thing we do is we start to secure the lifeboat. You start, See, the lifeboat is looking shaky out there. That emergency fund that you have, that extra, extra savings account, starts dwindling. So what do you do? You pull it close the exit plan you might have had in your mind. You start pulling that dude real close, making sure that nothing's gonna mess up that exit
0: plan. What about the history deleter on Google?
1: Yeah.
2: Pulling
1: pulling it really close. close. Whatever lifeboat, that, that little way that you have to slip out from the situation that you're in, that's what we're talking about. The first thing we do is we secure the safety of our exit plan. We start to hold it closely so that we have a way out from the experience itself of the wreckage. Please track with us today and envision yourself as one of the sailors or as one of the prisoners, whichever one fits your story right now. You know better than I do. Imagine yourself on that ship. Okay? And consider That the experience of the wrecking of that ship is actually what God wants for your life. It's not about the ship. I guarantee you we're going to have real moves of God start to break out in some of these 150, 200-year-old church buildings downtown. And it's going to be sick. We're going to have like stained glass and pews again. And it's not going to be stale as some old pita bread in there. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) Everything going on in there is going to be awesome. It's not about the ship. It's not about the method. It's about what is driving the ship along. Who is making the choices on that ship? Listen, you know how, you know how, we, you know how we know that Yahweh is not only interested in destroying a certain method? Because when men have impure motives they will always find a way for a new method. When he crashes, when God crashes their ships, they always find another one to jump on. Yeah. When the reckoning day of wrecking finally comes, they always find a lifeboat, they always find a lifeboat out just so they can continue in any other method other than that which comes from a man motivated by his prayer closet any other method. Y'all know how many pastors and leaders we know? That's like, we try this method, we try that method, we try this method, we try that method. We painted the ship this color, and we flew this flag on the ship and not that flag, and we invited these people on the ship, but not those people, and nothing works. Uh, That's because, number one, you need to put up the sail. And much like the people in this story right here, you need to not put up your sail and then throw an anchor out the back to drag you along. I don't know if you caught that a second ago. It's like, I'm led by the Holy Spirit. I just have a couple thousand pounds of baggage slowing me down behind me. Do you have a fence in your life right now that's literally an anchor slowing down your progress towards the wrecking that God wants you to have? It's like, well, it's not about me. I'm not going to go through that wrecking. They deserve the wrecking. They're the ones that hurt me. They're the ones that disappointed me. They're the ones that let me down. They deserve the wrecking, not me. I'll take this lifeboat out. It's interesting. Every time I meet one of those people, they never find a place to call home. And they're always upset with somebody. Always. So we want to challenge you today that just maybe, just maybe God wants us to go through these things. I cannot tell you all how many times from myself I have had to go through these things. Whenever I avoided him blowing up my whole system and him taking charge over my life again, when I avoided that, I always was jealous of the guys that I saw sitting right there next to Jesus like they were best friends. I Tell you, whenever I'd read my Bible, John the Beloved was always the one I was most jealous of. I'm like, how come he gets to be so close? How come Peter gets to be so close? How come James gets to be so close? That's not fair. What about the other guys? I was one of those guys that was always advocating for the other guys, that it wasn't fair to them. Well, I don't know what to tell you. Those are the ones that Jesus chose, and those are the guys who laid down the most to be that close. I don't know what to tell you. I'm done being the guy offended on behalf of everybody else who doesn't feel that close. What we can say is, we're all going to get on this ship together, let the wind drive us, and we're going to have a good old time. If he wants to put us out into open waters, we'll go into open waters. If he wants to drive us onto a sandbar and destroy the ship, at least we're still together and God's leading us along. Can we see that we want to be people led by the wind? Amen. Somebody say, "It's it's
0: not about the ship. Let's continue in verse 18. We took such a violent. Battering from the storm, that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. Come on. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. That's probably not a good idea. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Church, a telltale sign that someone other than Jesus is captaining your vessel is when you begin to take extreme measures in your life to avoid his reckoning. Men begin to react and behave in great measures the moment that their life or plans become threatened. It's like, oh, oh, we're not going to be able to afford this house? Well, let's let's just sell everything. Oh, we're not going to be able to do this? Let's just go ahead and sacrifice our friendships in order to get where we need to go. Oh, we're not going to be able to accomplish what we need to accomplish? Well, forget the tools that these people teach me. I'm, it's bondage on me. I'm just going to keep moving forward. Whatever it takes, I'm not letting this ship be wrecked. I have my eyes set on something. Verse 21. After the man had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice. They're like, really? Not to sail from Crete. Sometimes voice of godly authority sounds like that, though. They just keep telling you the thing. That's the simple thing that you just didn't want to hear. And sometimes it looks like, hey, you shouldn't have done that. And you're like, you either say, what you should say is, amen. Man, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God, who I, whose I am and whom I serve, stood by, beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul, You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all, say all, All. who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he has told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. We're going to have to wreck this ship. Take courage, have heart, God is going to save your life, but everything else has to be wrecked with it. Take courage, but hey, guess what? You still got to get wrecked. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. When about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120
1: feet deep. Did y'all know that they had sonar like that back then? That's nuts. Like, that's incredible. They had that technology, and it gave them hope that they were getting close to land.
0: It's probably like how whales do it. They probably just yelled in the water, like, 120 feet. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Come on, there's a progression. You're moving towards something, and these men, they're starting to get scared, fearing that we would not be that we would be dashed against the rocks. They dropped four anchors from the stern what? and prayed for daylight. No way. Man, we're getting closer and closer. Paul said we're gonna live, but, oh God, he's, he's, we really do have to get wrecked. Oh no, I'm gonna start dropping anchors along the way so I can start dragging my feet so I don't end up at the altar that God's called me to.
1: Four times the resistance, but at least I got my sail up. Paul, we're going to do it, we're going to do it. But you're
0: dragging your feet the whole time and you're afraid and you're missing the beauty uh, in the, this experience. That an angel of the Lord comes and says, son, you're going to be okay, but I need to take everything from you. And you're saying, everything? The ship? I don't know. These waters are starting to get more and more shallow. I don't know if I can do it, Lord. Let me start dropping anchors. Maybe I'll think about it. An attempt to escape from the ship, verse 30. An attempt to escape from the ship the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the boat
1: <laughs> we're just trying to help like hurry jump in go 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 it's like we're gonna die
0: <clears throat> come on church the boat is getting thrashed around in the open sea death is at your door and god and a God-given voice of authority is there to reassure you that though you are about to get wrecked, you will come out alive on the other side. Do you trust him? And you know what the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? Yield. And if we can yield to the wind, he's going to do something beautiful. Keep your courage, men. Yield to the reckoning. Because if you do, you will come out more alive than you ever have been before. Yeah. Amen. How amazing would it be that in a time that you believed you were going to die, someone on the boat will t- tells you that an angel of the Lord told them that you weren't going to die. This should be a relief to those who were on that vessel. But when this reckoning became that much closer, you can see that fear revisits them. How many times in your life have you been walking towards a reckoning, a season of Um, abandoning the things that you were and entering into all that God's called you to be. And then that fear begins to rise up in you again. Is it truly worth it? Will I actually live? Church, I'll tell you the truth. That voice will never leave. But if you walk away from it, it can no longer have voice in your ear. Today, we're walking away from that voice that says, drop the anchors. Come on. I'm sure many have experienced this before. God is faithful to show you areas within your heart and with your daily life that he is asking of you. You begin to move forward towards his altar and move forward towards freedom from that which holds you captive. But an overwhelming worry and fear causes you to drop excuses like anchors to why now is not the time or now is not the right place. Those are anchors just get wrecked. (laughs) In an attempt to escape from the ship you look toward a backdoor escape or even drop four to five excuses to slow down the conviction that is beginning to overtake your heart. Church, do not be afraid
1: to get wrecked. Listen, as, um, as one of a few in this room who have given everything to see this move of God, supported with time, energy, resources, whatever it takes, because nothing's our own, right? We're telling you that, I'm telling you personally from my life, with every hour, with every sleepless night, with every pain in the rear end, disciple I've dealt with, hallelujah, who I love a lot, with everything that I've ever sown into this place, I would be okay if Jesus said, I gotta take it all. New direction. Because I trust him that much, if it's by the leading of his spirit that got me here, then it's by the leading of his spirit that I will ever change directions from what I'm doing. I've learned what guides me. And if the wind guides me to sell my house, then I'm going to sell my house. If the wind leads me to start a business, then I'm going to start a business. If the wind leads me to do it with friends and risk all livelihood and put it all on the line, and all of us put our lives into one difficult situation together because he said so, but it's not... The most logistically favorable one out of all of them, then we're gonna do it because he said so. Because he led by that wind. I'm telling you right now, I'm in a place today that I can never, ever, ever be lured away by any treasures that any man of God, or any man not of God, or man who says he's of God ever has to offer. Because I wasn't bought here, I didn't get paid off to be here. I gave to be here. But you know why folks leave and run and move so easy? Because they didn't sow. All they ever did was take. They're just looking for the next best offer down the road from the next church. When you get sown into the work and you're willing to let everything get wrecked, I'm telling you, you will spill your blood to see that work come to fully alive. You will spend the most hours in your prayer closet. You will get revelation from heaven that no one has ever heard before because God wants that work to come alive and to thrive and to be generational and then get handed off to sons. Come on, y'all. This is what we're talking about. Then Paul... Y'all remember whenever those guys were trying to jump onto the lifeboat and sneak away? This is how Paul handles it in verse 31. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. <laughs> He's like, it's all or nothing. <laughs> yeah. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it fall away. That is a great, Amen. great start. Yeah. Just before Paul urged them all to eat, uh, just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. He says, "For the last 14 days, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything." Interesting. It wasn't just the fast that was going on that was keeping them from eating. We'll get back to that. Now, I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of all of them. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Wow. Finally listen to the man of God and you get some food and encouragement. Sounds like a church service at Remnant. Verse 36, they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. Can I tell you that you can be starting to make the right decisions, and it still does not mean that you're making all the right decisions? Like, you can be on the right path... But like, be walking like this along the way. Like, I'm like, okay, this is just getting silly at this point. When they had eaten all they wanted, they began throwing the grain into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could, at least in the NIV. Depending on your translation, there's still just this conditional tense on this entire verb right here. We're going to try, if possible, maybe, if we can, if it's what the Lord wants. God spoke it through Paul like two days ago. It's going to happen. Why are you still avoiding the situation? Let your ship get wrecked. This is where things start to get better. Verse 40, cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea. Come on. Come on. At the same time, untied the ropes that held the rudders together. They, then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made way for the beach. Come on, this is a group of people that are on the right track. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow struck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the waves. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. Y'all ain't ready for that teaching yet. If you want to talk about that after church, we'll talk about that after church. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. And the rest, they were to get there on planks or on pieces of the ship. And this way, everyone reached land and safety. Listen, we're in our final passage here. But I need you guys to absolutely stay focused to the end of this as we come to a time of response together here in this room. Listen to me today, because there's some serious stubbornness in this room. And I know Jesus well enough that the right ears will even hear this on a podcast too. Escaping out from every difficult wrecking never actually provides you the change that you need. Think about it. Salah. It was always about putting the right voice as the primary driver in your life. In this story, the voice of apostolic leadership was bound, chained, ignored, and scoffed at until everything hits the fan and full wreckage is imminent. What's interesting is that when you talk to any other man of God in a calling such such as this, Fueled by the spoken word of God, he will tell you many stories that sound just like this one. No, Devin, I know you think you hear from God, but I refuse to experience the wreckage to come. I won't go through it, and I won't let my family go through it. Say, go on. We'll intercede for you on your next go on the merry-go-round. We, this is not the life that God intended for any of us. amen. This is not the life. If God is speaking to you through a friend, through a spouse that's led by the Holy Spirit, if he's speaking to you through a leader, it's time to wake up and listen. Amen. I have to do that regularly with my wife. She's like, "You you are not listening to me right now. I'm like, okay. Hello. I'm here. Sorry. Sorry, Kendall. She's like, we could have had this done a week ago. I'm like, I I, I know, I'm sorry. I had to give the authority of the ship back to Jesus. I jacked it from him. No, Pastor Mike, I know people say your counsel is strong and sound, but my ship has already sailed, and this is just my lot in life. I don't think you understand my situation. Well, friend, if you listened more to the counsel from God, which comes through that man, that gives life perhaps your ship could get wrecked too and you find your life preserved by the voice of apostolic leadership God placed right in front of you illuminate what's right in front of me God show me the word of knowledge that I've been ignoring for years at this point that I might have the life that you intended me to have three years ago tell you it's not too late you can start today Interesting. That sounds a lot like this story. Listen, guys, I don't say this stuff to shame you, only to plead with you as Paul did with the sailors on his ship. Wake up to the voice of godly counsel. Wake up to the man who's spending time with his God. We desperately want every life in this room and every life that will come in this room to be just that. Full of life, yeah. abundant life. Amen. A full of a life led by Jesus, knowing Him, being with Him, being found in Him, the whole deal. We want the full package for everybody. We don't want to withhold from anyone. Nor do we want you to withhold from yourselves. I promise you, if you would heed the still, small voice of Yahweh speaking directly with you, if you would listen to the God-appointed leaders that he has placed in your life, then your ship probably would have never sailed on this path in the first place. And now you wouldn't have some of the trials that you're having to go through. But praise the Lord, the man of God said, your life will not be lost. Amen. Just the ship's got to go. Say the ship's got to go. The ship's got to go. God does not deal with issues of methodologies. And I want some of you to hear this really closely, because some of you, like me, are very scientifically and mathematically minded. So we get really into theorem. We get really into hypotheses. We get really into theology and methodologies. So listen to me. God does not only deal in the realm of methodologies. He deals with authority issues. He deals with trust issues. He deals with issues of rebellion, apathy, and outright denial towards his voice operating in your life and from your your leaders to you. So we're gonna finish this message in an active response time because we want you guys to leave 100% encouraged today. This This story ends amazing. So as Devin and Landon, or or Devin and whomever, is getting set up here to just set an environment for you, we want you guys to understand, on the other side of this story, Paul ends up being set free from his chains on his own volition still goes to Caesar in the years to come, right? He sees his ministry and his life all the way to the end but he has the best years he ever had after this moment right here. The men on that ship had the best years they ever had after this moment. Those dudes were just other, just normal old sailors. Some of them were prisoners. But at this moment when the exchange happened from professionals to the man of God in the situation, what they did is they, on the island of Malta, the leader got healed from dysentery and all sorts of other things. Paul gets bit by a snake and shakes it off into the fire like it's nothing. Like every demonic attack just goes right into the fire. Whenever Jesus takes back the lead of the primary influence on your life, there is life abundant to come after that. And so this today is not the day to get upset with who's at the helm of your ship. It's the day to say, Jesus, I am giving you back full authority of this thing. I'm giving you back full authority because I love you. And I've always said that I love you, but I want to show you how much I love you today in my actions. I want to show you how much I love you today in my commitments. Come on, we had some people getting engaged here recently. They say, I've been telling you that I love you, but now I'm going to show you just how much I love you. And then there's going to be a wedding day to come. That's going to be the ultimate show of it. But right now, today, Jesus, I'm done just telling you. I'm going to show you because I want everything that you've intended for me. Jesus, you told me I was, you were going to give me this. You told me I was going to have this opportunity. You told me that I would have this kind of life. And whether that's difficult or whether it's easy or whether it's everything I ever wanted or more, I want what you have for me. Listen, we have four steps for you today as we have an opportunity to respond. Step one, cut the life rafts. Step one, cut the life rafts. Here in verse 34 through 38, Paul directs the people to eat and not starve themselves out by way of anxiety. It says that the people were encouraged in the midst of their circumstances. So herein lies step two. Eat that which the Lord gives you by way of your leaders. Cut the life rafts, let them float away cut the anchors let them fall into the ocean and then two, eat what your leaders give you throwing the grain overboard does not help your situation the ship is on the way to getting wrecked anyways stop blaming it on their teaching stop blaming it on the methodology stop blaming the very thing that sustained you and gave you joy as if it was the problem the authority was the issue eat that which the man of God is giving you be filled with it have joy even though you know you're on the way to a wrecking moment. In verse 39 through 40, it says they recognized land, they recognized the fulfillment of everything Paul said would happen, and decided to follow the instruction spoken by God through Paul. To run the ship aground as was instructed, they cut anchors, threw up the foresail, and headed to the wreck, or the beach, or to beach the ship. Step three, is to commit to following the original instructions that you've thus far ignored. To do this, cut off all things that slow you towards the goal. What are you waiting for? The anchors in your life only slow yourself towards what is imminent. Would you rather die on your ship at sea or lose the ship and swim or float ashore to life and life abundantly? What are you protecting? the ship's going to go down anyways. Are you going to go down with it? To reiterate, step three, commit to following the original instructions like what Paul spoke to them. You're going to live, but your ship and its cargo is going to go. The only thing it'll be good for is floating you to the exact place where I, he has intended for you, but the cargo is going to go too. And finally, in verses 41 through 44, it says, it describes that they watched the ship battered to pieces and finally the leadership of the ship instructed everyone to get to shore. Do you see why sometimes the wrecking of your ship is the very thing that puts you in a place where there is no other option out? Where then you will finally obey God's instructions? We're not it's not about the ship but you're all about the ship so then it becomes all about the ship god will wreck the ship if it means you saying there's no way out of this lord jesus i give it i give every single bit of my life back under your authority so step number 4 is watch your ship destroyed by the wind and waves and enjoy sweet freedom and the restoration of proper authority over your life. Can you take encouragement today that the fourth step in this is that you would enjoy the destruction of the thing that once held you captive on it? The thing that used to hold you captive, you can watch it destroyed and you can go enjoy life and life abundantly with the men that God has put there with you. Come on, there are miracles of healing ahead of you. There are islands of people to be saved. There are cities for churches to be planted in. But you need to let your ship get wrecked today. Y'all stand up with me.
2: I feel like I'm supposed to share this because some of you just need a little physical witness to the Lord being here with you in this message today chapter 28 in case you missed it that's right where they previously stopped in chapter 28 verse 1 of Acts once safely on the shore we found out that the island was called Malta and the islanders showed us unusual kindness. And they did something else. They built a fire and they did something else. They welcomed us. They welcomed us all because it was raining and it was cold outside. Because it was raining and it was cold outside, they welcomed us, built a fire, and invited us all to hang out with them because their ship had been wrecked. Hebrews 12 says, when everything that can be shaken will be shaken, that's coming. The only thing that'll remain will be that which cannot be shaken. It goes on to say, because you serve an all-consuming fire called God. These pastors have encouraged you to let your ship be wrecked because that ship, just like Paul, although he thought it was destined for Rome, it was not. It was destined for Malta. Do you know that at the end of Acts 27, Paul is back on a ship again because Malta wasn't his destination, it was this place for devastation, so that he might see God for who He is. Any time there is devastation in your life, it is only for the purpose of restoration. Because although you want to make it Rome, the vessel you're on can't get you there. Although you think it does, so in God's mercy and goodness, He has taken you thus far, but is changing the vessel that'll get you to where you're going. Do not refuse the Lord when he's trying to change ships for you. It's not about the ship. It's about the journey with the Lord and what you need that you don't know you need in order to complete what he has called you to. Is that you today? We think so because we don't get our messages from Google or Sermon Index or Sermon whatever. We get them from God for you. That means we're talking to you. We're gonna give you this opportunity to say yes to God for whatever that means to you. And when we say get wrecked, that means Lord, whatever the cost, whatever it means, the things I don't know, I give them to you because I trust you. Some of you need your ships wrecked because you've landed in a place where people are welcoming you, are going to build a fire for you and going to give you an opportunity to actually deal with the cargo and your heart and yourselves for the ship that you came in on so that there might be refreshing and revival because that's what happened to the island that these men were shipwrecked on to. Do you need revival? Do you need refreshing? Do you need restoration? Then you have come here today for that. Come on, come on.